Hello, I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. You need to wow. get into this with me. It is haunted holidays, and I've had wow. nothing from you. That was so, that was very, very musical. Oh my gosh. So, I used to do musicals when I was a kid. Oh man, no, I have no talent for music. I can't, I can't even carry I what my dad used to say I couldn't carry a tune with a bucket. Oh, okay. <laughs> I bet you had buckets because Anyway, discussing how you grew up, there are probably plenty of buckets, and if you couldn't put a tune in any of them, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And what was funny is I was a professional singer when I was a kid. I just I lost the ear, so you know that was it. So. Ditto, you know, yeah. ditto. But mine was yeah. when I was a little bit older. Um, so today we we have some a uh, uh, special episode. I could use words, and what's <laughs> very cool is this is because many of our travelers have requested this yes. topic many many and we've held it off and held it off but it's a haunted holiday so it's finally going to happen and not only this topic we decided to bring a, a good friend of the show a good friend of mine and and what i consider one of the premier you know frontline investigators right now and we've had a few requests to have him on so i was very pleased that when he was able to make some time in his busy schedule to join us today so without further ado, let's bring on Mr. Bigfoot Anon himself, Connor Flynn. <laughs> yes, yes. Good to be here. Good to spend some time with you guys. Uh, Mark, it's awesome always to see you ever since we've linked up for the first time. Uh, it's just been history ever since. Yep, yep. Uh, I think the last time I saw you, you led me into a cave where I fell on my ass. So, you know, <laughs> that was that was perfect. So, you know, it was always good to go hunting with people who know what they're doing. So <laughs> anytime that you can get underground in the state of Florida, that's something special for sure. I know, right? There's like, you know, six places you can do that. And that was definitely Wait a minute. You, you were, went into a cave in Florida. Those exist. Yeah. Up, up near Connor's place. Con Connor, Connor's up at the panhandle. And ah, uh, so ah, it's a little okay. more common up there. There are a couple places down along the peninsula but it's you know not that that's even less there but where connor was connor took me to one i'd never been to oh so, wow um, so connor tell us a little bit about yourself i know i gave you a little bit of an intro before we get into and we'll mention my cave expedition at some point well <laughs> <laughs> For sure, for sure. Uh, well, my name is Connor Flynn. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, uh, the mistake on the lake. And then I moved down to Florida. I'm an author, an investigator, a filmmaker, and really just an explorer. I feel like that's like my main purpose to be here on earth is to uh, seek answers and to seek mystery and to find more about myself. That's what I end up uh, seeing after all of my uh, research. But it's been an amazing journey moving down south and really finding out that I was meant to walk this path just because I've seen what is all waiting for me and all the cool people and all the strange unraveling mysteries and then all the treasure that uh, hopefully is still waiting on my path. Connor, I got to ask, what got you started in this? Because 
very few people grow up and say, I want to be a Bigfoot hunter. Well, uh, being from Ohio, we have the Ohio grass man. And that was always a topic when we went camping or hunting. And uh, my cousin Eddie actually had like a little encounter with an Ohio Bigfoot on my grandfather's property early morning he was being trailed by something while going to his tree stand so just it always being in the atmosphere always pushed me and then i watched unsolved mysteries with my mom and then was huge in the outdoors so really just the big brother the one that guides you in the forest you know there's mother nature and then there's something actually here physically that can be that bridge. So uh, that always just excited me. And then, you know, really just riling up my friends and sneaking out at night. It was just the fun thing to do. Uh, so yeah, I feel like it was my environment created me. And then I just ran with it and kind of fine tuned all the uh, in between. So yeah, but uh, I've definitely had some childhood strange encounters just then mixed with some good campfire stories. You get me, who's just excited to really run after all these strange stories. And and boy, do you run. I, I've never seen someone with more energy, especially in this field, because most of us have all been like, all right, well, we're going to do this and this. And Con Connor's the guy. I'm I'm there. I'm already there. Where are you guys? I've, I've been here 12 hours. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but, someone's got to be that spear. And, uh, you know, I, I like to think that energy is contagious, you know, and if someone sees that I'm running full speed at it or just excited about something, then hopefully that can uh, pass over. And sometimes that's what people need is just that a little bit of kind of someone else to start it or a little bit of herd mentality starts once there's a leader uh and you know let's make the best of weird things in these modern days 100 percent. you've had like you said you've had some strange encounters and stuff so let's say what, what's the one that stands out the most uh the one that stands out the most would probably be in flat rock in evergreen alabama uh last year with matt williamson from supernatural spectrum we went out there to go check out flat rocks property because he's had some uh close sightings he's had some very interesting footage that has garnered a lot of views online sadly his family lost a dog a couple family members have moved out uh and they have the koneka river go right through the backyard and koneka river actually has some real you know documented Bigfoot sightings that have had, you know, professional investigators come out. So uh, it's very cool just to be in the heart of it. And there's actually a, a documentary called The Town That Love Bigfoot, and it's about Evergreen, Alabama. Uh, well, my buddy lives just a little bit on the outside, Flat Rock, and they have Flat Rock boogers. So we went out there for a weekend, and uh, Matt, I, and this Tyler Hall dude who actually had a, a videotape of a juvenile skunk ape uh, that Matt Moneymaker went crazy with. And it was a really cool video. It was really awesome, too, just because uh, Tyler, I saw the article about him. I tried calling him multiple times. And then weeks later, we end up doing a camp out together. And now we're buddies. So it's really cool how sometimes your your idols or sometimes your research subjects uh, become your friends. And right here is a perfect example of that. 
Uh, I feel like I grew up reading Mark, but I feel like I, I grew up in the cryptozoology uh, market reading Mark. So it's so cool that now we're peers and uh, and it's already transformed that, you know, I felt the same thing to people. So it's it's a cool feeling. Uh, but that first night we were in Flat Rock and he had a uh, dish that he was getting sounds with. And I had my recorder at Basecamp. And the dog was starting to go crazy at these w weird little chirps. And they were all around the forest. They were trying to, I feel like, guide the dog away from where the main action was happening. Uh, well, we actually recorded three of them harmonizing and singing to each other in the night. And that was super cool because weeks later, Doug Highcheck actually listened to the footage and uh, the audio. And he confirmed that it was something strange. And he was able to like isolate the sounds and uh, really break it down. So it was very cool. And that was night one. Uh, of course it was very strange in the tent uh but matt and i were in a tent together and then tyler was in the other tent uh the second night tyler went home so matt and i were in separate tents and flat rock was begging us to uh stay in the yard to sleep right by the house but we're like no we have to uh stick to the plan so we took our golf cart went deep into the woods and then we stayed at the base camp and uh, we felt like something. we heard something uh, walking alongside us or paralleling us to the camp. But it was too early in the night for us to get all creeped out. And we end up going into our uh, tents. Matt fell asleep early. Uh, so I feel like I was out there alone uh, from 11 to 6. Uh, but we ended up falling asleep. And then about 4 a.m., I hear something really heavy uh, walking alongside our tent. And I wake up a little bit and I go, Hey, and I was just trying to get it to step one more time so I could kind of gauge where it was coming from, uh, but never happened. And eventually I just passed back out. And that is a phenomenon in itself. We've heard it multiple times. I've felt it multiple times uh, that you get so scared or you have such an intense interaction with these beings that either you pass out from, you know, just fear or somehow just you're so calm and your body's so calm that you kind of forget about it and you go to sleep. Uh, I think mine was probably a mixture of both. It was 4 a.m. Uh, that was day two. It was probably a little bit of exhaustion as well. But that night was just so crazy because I felt something that big next to my tent. So the next morning, I'm all excited. Matt's even up before me, and he's saying that his tent has been moved and that he has been lifted up. Uh, so that was a very, very crazy thing to wake up to. And then I go out. He's still in his tent, and I'm, like, looking around the camp, looking around the camp. And his tent definitely was moved. Then we're kind of in the weird, you know, analyzation of – was it really just a bad dream and just nature, you know, pulled him or was something physically outside his tent? Uh, he went to Jessica Jones, who did some remote viewing, and she said that there was an ancient presence in that forest. And Matt has had some run ins with Pan after opening a portal one time with him. So he ended up thinking that it was maybe connected to that. And if we ended up surviving it, then maybe the Flat Rock Boogers ended up you know, protecting us, who knows, yeah. but that's what happens a lot of the time in this cryptozoology thing. You're left with more questions than answers, but as long as you can document it and record it and experience it, I think that is a very, you know, important role in all of this. Uh, even though it might not be able to, you know, prove anything scientifically, it can open the door and it can give more data for 
other experiments to connect to. Uh, I love when isolated information also connects to other isolated information from other places. It it's really shows that uh, there is some kind of connection to all this strangeness. Uh, but that would be my most like memorable encounter just because it was a legendary place. It was with other people. We got recordings of it. Uh, and I heard so much about this place. And uh, everybody in this southeastern area will definitely know about evergreen in the next few years just because of all the activity coming out of there yeah that area is definitely blowing up when we went on our trip up there we were up near mariana and we did uh you know destin and a few other you know the beachy towns and people don't realize just outside of those is nothing but forest and it goes all the way to mississippi alabama it's either forest or swamp and that's all you got. And people don't realize that. And, and the little small towns in there, like Flat Rock, just there you go. You know, that's where these things tend to, to go. Now, one of my favorite, you did a video on, and it's one of my favorite, I, I like to call it uh, Skunk Ape Adjacent. And that would be from the town of Two Egg, which yes. you know, Florida can't have nice things. Everything has to be named stupid when it comes to Florida. So that's why you know, we don't have Bigfoot. We have a skunk ape. But Two Egg has a very specific one, and I know you're an expert on it. So I would love to hear your your take on the monster of Two Egg or what is he yeah. Yes, Two Egg. Two Egg Stump Jumper. Uh, that is a legendary Bigfoot out of the Florida Panhandle. They say it's Shrek-like, a little bit smaller than the typical Bigfoot, but a lot more aggressive. And I've actually talked firsthand to people that have had encounters and run-ins with this creature, uh, mostly late night fishing. There's a couple, I guess they would be like inlets that you have to kind of get a little bit too you take your boat or your kayak for a half mile and then you can get deep into the woods and uh they say that's where he protects so i i think there might be some kind of treasure or special spring back there uh but yes the two egg stump jumper two egg is originally named after the original idea in the town that if you didn't have enough money to uh pay for you know some of your groceries mostly milk you could trade your two eggs for some milk for the day or for the week. Uh, so it's a really cool story about the small town loving, but there's a lot of other subspecies of these skunk apes, but they all range around the Ochizi pond where in the 1800s, they actually captured a wild man and then they took him to the Capitol and the, the governor said, no way, take him to Chattahoochee Hospital, which is a very intense, insane asylum right on the Chattahoochee River, right by some very, very sacred spots. Uh, the Garden of Eden contains that spot. The Torreya State Park, which has a very famous modern sighting with Stacy Brown and his father, also are right in that spot. And the Apalachicola River, which forms and then goes right into Apalachicola National Forest and Tate's Hell Forest. So it's basically a waterway to five of my favorite stories. Uh, but a lot of people do think that the creatures from Ochizi Pond that are still existing have pretty much spread out. And that would explain the two egg stump jumper. So it's really fun when all the stories start to combine. While we're on legends, and since I brought it up, I might as well bring up Tate's Hell as well. Uh, that was also- that right next. <laughs> 
especially after I know you guys went to Carabel uh, when you were in this area. You got to see the Carabel Hotel, which has a lot of ghost stories after uh, all those those people got ill after the the ghost ship came in with the disease. And then, of course, the Carabel Serpent uh, in 1896 is 46 foot long water dragon sea monster was shot down and uh, a lot of people say it's a ribbon fish or an oar fish but we don't know uh but yes back to the inland is uh tate's hell uh back in 1874 cb tate actually went into a sinister curse swamp after his dad had an agreement with a medicine man for decades before that uh not to go in but of course cb was very desperate once he got a new wife and she was particular with her foods and they they were desperate and on hard times but cb's dog ran away chasing off a panther and then ran into the forest and of course tate had to run after it the next seven days he was searching and pretty much surviving in the swamp. He was uh, bit by a rattlesnake. He drank dirty water. And uh, they say that he was taken care of by an Amazon wild woman during the night. Uh, I like to believe that is a female Sasquatch. He was also hunted by uh, swamp giants. I would say those were the male Sasquatches or maybe some visions of some things that he was seeing because of the venom. Uh, but eventually, after seven days, he crawled out into Carabelle and he told the person, I'm C.B. Tate and I came from hell. And he died right there. And I've actually hiked right through Tate's House Forest. Uh, and it is treacherous. And there yeah. is a lot of stuff going on. I've took my ghost box out there. And that was picking up weird frequencies. And then uh, when you spend the night out there near Bloody Bluff, it's a uh, campsite very close by. Uh, you are attacked by mosquitoes, yellow flies, and Horrible things during the night, horrible sounds. Uh, but one really cool story about Bloody Bluff is that there's a ghost hearse that will chase you at 4 a.m. out of there. And uh, it's never chased me out of there, but I was attacked by all those monstrous mosquitoes and insects. And I've never, ever complained about insects or mosquitoes or yellow flies, at least to this point. But when I got there, I was attacked when i was checking out the cemetery so that was its own like supernatural element uh to itself bloody bluff is a location it's about 100 feet tall and they used to march people to their death off of there and uh, you could still hear their screams and cries and of course i believe that these places with extreme intense energy and horrors would attract uh these beings in the modern time wow that that wow. that's for those of you listening that is literally just that big kind of bend area of florida that gets hit with so many hurricanes uh and uh you know maybe there's a reason for that too but uh the, yeah that area that whole taytel forest is amazing it's beautiful but it is also very very deadly so just you know be careful when you go out there and all that so get a guide like connor but definitely you know pack your energy drinks because otherwise you ain't keeping up with them well, that and uh, apparently the most intense mosquito and other thing spray ever. I will never be doing that. Mosquitoes love me. No way. No way. Already normal mosquitoes love me. I don't yeah, need we enhanced were in, mosquitoes. We were in Kentucky where there are no mosquitoes at the time of the year we were there and they were attacking you. How did that yes. happen? 
because <laughs> I'm so sweet, Mark. That's they why. All the way up from Florida to find you. Yeah, her. they they were just like, oh, she moved states. Let's go get her. <laughs> they're fo- they're following along. Er- yep. Eerie travels. They come too. It's like one of those old Bugs Bunny cartoons where all the bugs make the big arrow and just fly. That's what they were doing right up the interstate behind us. So, but uh, all right, back to Bigfoot, Connor. Oh my gosh. So I know there's some people who, you know, we always say report it, report it, report it, report it. You saw it, report it. Even if you just have a glimpse, if you, you know, if you've got footage, great. But if you don't, no problem. Just please report it so other people can corroborate it. Like, like you said, so that suddenly 10 years from now, somebody else, great uncle tells a story and it matches that sighting. Oh, now suddenly it's a little more believable. So where would you recommend people report? Because I know there's some controversy with, you know, some of the sites so what would what would you recommend yeah the uh the most basic answer uh for just the normal person would be to go to the bfro uh that is the best database that is the most straightforward place to just report your bigfoot sightings of course there's a little bit of controversy there because they like to stay very grounded and supernatural and all that kind of gets pushed aside in their stories. And sadly, with these beings, we have to just report all the data because any detail uh, could connect to another story. So it's sad when very important data is omitted. Uh, In the day and age of now, Facebook, you know, it's not necessarily you or an eyes route. Uh, but for a normal person, there is hundreds of good groups online. I wouldn't run to your first group. I would uh, reach out to multiple groups and see where you are accepted or feel where your beliefs align with these people's. Uh, and then find some like-minded people and move slowly because some people really just jump the gun and then they're just buried with hatred and unfair questions and then some questions are fair but they need to be in a right process because it is just very extreme but then there's also some very good researchers out there so that are very easy to reach so i would go to you know online and research your area you know if you're down here in florida there's plenty you know of course marie dumont in central florida kathy westerman in ocala Stacy Brown and I, Mark Muncie, Robert Robinson. In Florida, if you have a sighting, there's plenty of people to go to. Uh, but other states usually have their representatives. So I would do, do your research and then basically just find a researcher that you believe in. And maybe you can, you know, give them your sighting and then they can come out and, uh, you know, actually do an, an examination of, of it all. But uh, I would just tell people to go slowly, of course, because it piles on so fast. You could also run right to the newspaper if you have, you know, a good enough sighting or a good enough story uh, because they love to stir the pot and, uh, you know, Bigfoot sells. It, it does. In the, in the modern world, the strangeness, the people eat it up. They They like to troll it and also make fun of it. But they read it and it, it gets the headlines. When we do these events, cons and everything, people will go, well, I don't believe in ghosts, but I but I saw Bigfoot. You know, and then there'll also be the people, well, I don't believe in Bigfoot, but I saw an alien. And you know, and that's the sort of thing we get. And it's nice that you know, like you guys like you and me and some others, we know all right, there's more to this than just uh, there could be just a flesh and blood Bigfoot out there. But the science is not there either way. So that's why we think this might lean a little less 
regular science a little more into the what we call you know they call the pseudoscience i like to call preternatural stuff we don't understand yet and that's what i i like to think and that's why i had to have you on to talk about this stuff so now let's say you've had your experience right you you've reported it now what is your next step if you want to start bigfoot hunting i think we should start using the term bigfoot researching yes because hunting is truth yeah yeah not hunting to bag one no thank you you're right there is no season for sasquatch so for sure for sure and i'm always hunting the truth i'm not interested in hurting these creatures or beings i uh believe they're a different type of people and it would be very wrong to harm them uh they've had many opportunity to harm people and there isn't a whole onslaught of hikers uh so i think we need to you know live fairly with these beings uh but yes we do need to hunt down the truth because the truth is uh getting more and more blurry as we go so we we need to you know document it uh but yes i would definitely recommend to people uh that are getting into the bigfoot research definitely get some gear uh a notebook for first and foremost because the more you hike the more you see and you can bring it with you. And, you know, we have 30 thoughts per second. So we're, we're flooded with good ideas and, and just observations. But by the end of the day, after all the responsibilities and distractions, you forget most of it. So get your handy dandy notebook that you can always, you know, go back to. I have three right here on the table. And uh, some of my writings go back to the year 2000 when I was eight years old, uh, just writing around, just uh, talking about rocks and stuff. So it's it's really important so you can go back to your data. Uh, but I would get a camera, a recorder, and also a tent because you're going to have to start spending the night in the forest if you're going to really want these firsthand encounters because you can go out during the day and you know set some apples or some peanut butter up in a tree uh but most of the action definitely happens at night uh because these beings are a hundred percent adaptable uh to basically the environment and uh when they're out at night they're just like another animal they're just like our cat they can see just as good as us uh so we need to step into their environment if you do want to have like a first-hand encounter but you're definitely going to have to get a sat phone if you're going to be going out into national forests because there is a lot of people going missing and i've had it firsthand once you're out there and you have something exciting happen and then you get confused and uh, things can get very dangerous. So you always have to be alert and aware and let people know where you're at. Uh, but that sat phone will be your you know, lifeline. Uh, so definitely lead with that. Uh, if you're down in Florida, get some snake boots because the places you're going to want to get are not easily accessible. Uh, but basically just camping gear and uh, survival gear is the first thing to do. Sasquatch hunting is not much different than bird watching. You just have to be out there, uh, but you have to put yourself in the situation in the first place. But one very important thing is you have to mentally prepare as well. And that starts at home. That starts when you're researching. You have to put yourself in a position that if things do happen, you have to know what you're going to do. And also just positively thinking about it and manifesting it. Uh, When you're dealing with just infinite energy and very special sacred ley lines and points, all the extra energy helps. And I believe that we're the strongest machine on earth and living beings, that is. And uh, that's what they are. So we need to connect on that level first and foremost.
Very that's... cool. When you say um, snake-proof boots, because I know for a fact, because I do a lot of shoe shopping, that there's never a label that says snake-proof. So what do you mean when you're saying that? Because as an avid shoe person, I know for a fact that I've not seen any boots that say snake-proof. Yeah, mo most of the snake-proof boots are usually at Bass Pro Shop or Dick's because they are really thick and they go up to your knees. And uh, they're generally like more than $100. Uh, of course, the hiking boots that are really thick, they might do the job, uh, but those are definitely still not Eastern Diamondback snake-proof. The snake-proof boots are heavy-duty. Uh, you would have to go somewhere special to buy them, but I do say they are very important. Yeah, I just want to make sure we send people there. in the right direction. You're not getting snake-proof boots at Walmart. No, so. no definitely out, outdoor specialist stores will will have them. And they are, you can even say, hey, I need, you know, snake stuff. I'm going deep into the green swamp. I'm going deep into, tell them where you're at and they will, at where you're going or plan on going. And then they will go, oh, okay, well, you need this. And, you know, because the guys at the shop know more than you do. And they do have those cheap gaiters, too, that if you have just normal boots that you can put those snake-proof oh, yeah. things that you could strap on your legs. And those are usually like 25 to $30. Of course, they do have a little bit of gaps that, you know, if that cotton mouth, you know, strikes you right in that spot, it might get you. But for the most part, they are pretty safe and they are uh, pretty cheap. And remember, most snakes do not want to hurt you. It's That's because when you're out in the woods and you're marching around at night or at, usually at night, because the snakes actually do sleep at night a lot of times. And then you step on one because you're not seeing it because you're looking for skunk apes, looking for ghosts, you're looking for whatever. Its instinct is to slap and bite the thing that stepped on it. I had to put that in there for Carrie or she'd never forgive me for uh, talking about bad snakes. But uh, yeah, it's bad people in the snake's house. So if somebody stepped on you, you'd bite them too. And I agree 100%. I'm an advocate. I've uh, gotten many snakes out of the road. Uh, I think I think it's very important that we have to coexist. And I've never seen a uh, a violent or an aggressive snake. They're usually just trying to get away. But yes, of course, if you step on them, they are going to snap at you. So uh, we just have to be prepared for that one log, what we, you know, misstep or miscalculate. Uh, we always just have to be prepared because if uh, something really sideways happens, then the last thing on our mind is going to be skunk ape. You can fall, hurt yourself. We had one of our friends, you know, Connor, you and I, we, he was out there and he fell and you got his uh, leg impaled on a stick. And it was just a small little stick and then helicopters had to get out to him and everything. It was terrible to get him out of the middle of the green swamp. And that's, you know, we don't want that for anybody. Hunting. Mark. Mark, yeah. you are so excited, but guess what? What? We need to take a break. Really? Yes. Oh, it's Connor's energy, man. It's just, it's- It is, it's infectious. And I can't believe I'm the one going, hey, we need a break, but- All right, all right, fine. We need a break. We will well, be right back. important sponsors because they're awesome and they, they make this happen. The sweltering heat of the Florida sun breaks as a chill runs down your spine. A dark shadow looms from a nearby tourist trap. You didn't expect to find this kind of shade in Florida. If only there was some sort of travel guide to steer you through the spookier locales. Well, you're in luck, reader. Join author Mark Muncy and Carrie Schultz as they lead you through the darkest locations in the Sunshine State in creepy Florida. Available from History Press and at fine bookstores everywhere. Destiny Beard, 
the lyrical soprano who will haunt your dreams. With her alluring melodies and intricate harmonies, this dark siren of wistful song shall capture your soul and lead you into the night. Check out Destiny's new single, The Haunting Is Over, with international musicians Sam Haynes and Gary Bennett, as well as her other musical works at destinybeer.com. Are we back yet? We're back. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. All right. Oh my gosh. I've been sitting on pins and needles here. So, all right, Connor. So now you've got your equipment, you're in the right headspace, and we know, you know, there's places to look, right? You go to the BFRO, you can see their hotspots. You can go to all these other sites and see the hotspots. So that's kind of what you're looking for. If you've got a good guide, they'll lead you where they're going. But now you're out in the field. What are you looking for? What kind of things are you looking for evidence wise? The cool thing about Bigfoot evidence is it comes in many forms. You know, there's, of course, the firsthand evidence of you actually seeing a creature and recording a creature with audio or with video. Uh, but the secondhand evidence is some of my favorite. Of course, I love looking for footprints and handprints. And down here in Florida, it's a little tough with the sugar sand and all the leaves. But when you get into the mud of the swamps, there is no better feeling than finding a footprint in the mud and uh, my mom and I right when we moved down here to the Florida Panhandle we got pictures of giant footprints in the Ochesi Pond right at Ochesi Landing right where it meets the Apalachicola River we got right feet and left feet uh, tons of pictures of it connecting it uh, taking comparison pictures to to my feet and my shoes and with rulers and it was really cool uh, but then I also have been in the Torreya State Park with my buddy Evan, and we found this strange, narrow foot that we were able to take a picture of. It was a little too wet and too unbalanced uh, to make a cast. But my pride and joy cast is when I was with my buddy Jack McClellan in a cave not too far from where we were, and uh, we were location scouting for a film and we started feeling this strange vibe and we saw this footprint and uh, our electronics actually started going out all day filming. And that minute and 20 seconds, that was the only evidence that was actually interfered with. So we were definitely onto something, but I casted a footprint that was going up a bank. So we got weird scrape marks plus the narrow foot. And after watching Into the 400, it was very, very similar to the female Bigfoot cast that they get. So either it's like a homeless transient that uses that cave to live in, or I believe it was a young female Sasquatch. So it was very cool. And I still have that cast and I bring it to all the conventions and stuff and get to show it off. And the scrape marks are really something special yeah those, those are epic but some other cool evidence that you can look for is in the trees uh if they're bent over if they're shaped shaped into a teepee or sometimes broken at a certain spot that could signify uh some bigfoot evidence but my favorite of the trees and the glyphs is ground glyphs sometimes you have to check on the ground you've all heard 
X marks the spot, but we've also seen these runes and glyphs used by, you know, ancient tribes, maybe to point somebody in a certain way in the forest or to let someone know that there's water or berries or maybe even trouble ahead. Uh, but I love looking on the ground for these weird shaped glyphs of these trees or sticks or really even just carvings in the dirt. But then there's also things that are on the ground or up in trees that you can really bag and tag. And that is Bigfoot hair. And that is a phenomenon that is really picking up in the past few years uh, because people are starting to look for it. Of course, people will still bag some Spanish moss and some weird fungi and they'll be like, yeah, is, is this hair? But no, you'll know it when you see it. Uh, we've actually gotten very lucky with two samples. One was in my ACA. Matt Williamson and Marty actually found something right next to a Native American uh, display set up and they bagged it and then they sent it to Tim T and when he put it under a microscope it was all different colors it was very cool and then another time I was actually in the green swamp with Tim T and we found some hog hair on a fence and then we found some other hair that looked a lot different than it so we bagged both of those and then put it under a microscope and it was really cool because the one looked very similar to other hair samples that people believe they're sasquatch or these forest titans uh so we were definitely really onto something and we didn't have to do anything very special to find that you just had to be out there with your eyes open uh of course if you have an envelope or a bag that is the safest place to put the evidence uh and of course you want to have uh some kind of gloves because one of the big responses to Sasquatch DNA is that it's been interfered with with the human DNA and it's been tampered uh, and just then the sample is just out the window. But if we can, you know, do the procedure the correct way, then we eliminate all those extra variables. And then if the, you know, sample ends up showing that it has some, you know, human in it, then we're on to something. But I love the whole idea of hair or the teeth. I saw Lyle Blackburn uh, just showed a fingernail. So, you know, samples come in many ways and you might just be the next person to find something. So keep your eyes peeled. And if you ever see anything that is just even a little out of the ordinary, you should bag it so somebody can tag it. Bring your zip Where lock. do they go if they do bag something? So that's a question that's going to come like, okay, great. I bagged this thing that I think is Sasquatch hair. What does that mean? You know, that's a great question. Uh, there is a couple people right now that are doing these college studies and they have an address that you can send a sample to uh, and they will end up, you know, examining it and hopefully adding it to their study and giving you uh, some data back. But then there's also other people at these conferences that would gladly, you know, take the sample and at least, you know, examine it and be able to uh, share it with other people. But yeah, that's, that's some mucky water right there. What we get into, where do we take our uh, good evidence? Because there isn't an exact spot or a data bank that there, you know, that exists. The safest place would be to take it to a conference and really to talk to people uh, and then to move forward to that. And always, you know, keep some of your sample. Don't give everything away. Uh, all you need is a little bit, you know, for the DNA to come back. But yeah, I don't know. Take that process very slowly and, and feel it out. There's a couple people, the college route, if you want to do that, if you want to stay the underground route, there's researchers for that.
and I could see the benefits to both and the cons to both as well. Yeah, and University of North Carolina, University of Virginia, both are the two big ones right now doing that. So not, nice to see. And I think some other schools might soon because that's actually bringing them some some funding and that's oh the college oh there's money okay yeah yeah let's do this <laughs> that's, that's all we keep trying to tell everybody it's like hey this once we get this out there and it's no longer pseudoscience and actual science once the colleges find out there's money in it they're they're interested that's what it took for chiropractic medicine 100 <laughs> um, percent and and in science and these new ideas take brave people and these pioneers to really push it forward and to be the guy that kind of looks a little strange, but in the long run, we'll be the ones that, you know, we're, we're right about this and hopefully brought the world uh, closer to the truth or human beings closer to their purpose. And we talk conferences. There are Bigfoot conferences. There are, you know, paranormal conferences are usually the best to find the folks you're looking for. Uh, one of the other places we love to go is Expedition Bigfoot in North Georgia where, you know, he's making his own, you know, museum that is full of uh, documentation and stuff like that. So that's another guy who's willing to take your evidence as well. So we'll, we'll put the links to that in here too. All right. So Connor, now that we've talked Sasquatch, Skunk Ape, Bigfoot, there is something else you might bump into out there. And I know you've had some experience in this matter. So Let's talk about Bigfoot's meaner brother, and we, he even goes back up to Ohio, as well as Florida, and that seems to be the Dogman. Oh, what? yes. Yeah. The, the Dogman, the lycanthrope, the werewolf, uh, there's many names of it, and then you hear people uh, kind of get into these heated debates and saying, no, a lycanthrope is different than a Dogman, and a Dogman is not a werewolf. Uh, but if you talk to the people and the Cajuns, there's definitely very close similarities between the beings. Of course, Defiance, Ohio uh, was yeah. very famous for the dog man encounters. And I like to believe that the dog pound in the Browns, you know, stadium has some dog man connection. I actually had a uh, run in with my uh, two friends, Alex and Jake. That might have been my first cryptid encounter was with the Sleepy Hollow Wolfman. They had a daytime encounter. They saw it cross the road. They thought it was a deer at first, and then they saw it was some type of lycanthrope creature. I heard about it for weeks and weeks, and then finally I got to sleep over Alex's house right before a golf league uh, on Saturday. So it was a Friday night, and we're shooting pool in his basement, and he's got those walkout glass so you can just see everything into the woods. And after a few hours, we all just got the chills just randomly. So our sixth sense kicked in. We turn off the lights, and we start peeking through this little window, and we see this hulking being down in the gully about 40 yards away right right on the wood line and uh they're like that that's the wolfman that's the wolfman and it was darker than the night uh that's pretty much the only thing i remember i just remember being frozen we dove back into the staircase for a little bit you know just a couple seconds we peer back out it was gone uh the rest of the night we were so nervous I remember just being curled up in a ball. We were watching Save It Private Ryan, and we ended up going upstairs and sleeping up in his room. The next morning, Alex's mom is like, why didn't you guys sleep in the playroom? And we told her about the sighting, and she was very straightforward, a church lady, really by the book, pretty strict. And she actually connected to, to our sightings. She didn't just push it off. She said that she's had man-like owl sounds out the window 
every night since she's lived there. And that was, you know, for, for a little while because they just had moved there. So that was very strange. And then I tried talking to some locals around there. If they've had any other encounters, they didn't really talk about a dog man creature, but they always just said the sleepy hollow place was a spooky vibe. Honestly, I do think part of that just comes with the name, just because even when we were kids, we would like really think that was the true Sleepy Hollow. Uh, so I feel like just mentally, we started creating some of those shadows. Uh, but something definitely physically was there. And uh, that whole area is called Caves and Cliffs. So I believe that they live down there. And uh, sadly, I haven't got to explore those caves as much as you know the adult me wants to. So hopefully one day I'll be back in Brunswick and we will check it out. But in modern times, I got to go to the Honey Island Swamp over in Louisiana, right by New Orleans. And that is a very famous spot because the movie Hatchet, Victor Crawley, this giant mutant monster that kills everything in the swamp. Uh, it's a movie. And uh, I honestly think it's based on the Rougarou, the werewolf, the dogman of the swamp. And uh, when I was there, I uh, talked to a lot of the locals and they were all excited about meeting me. But one captain actually told me a couple legends and a couple stories that they've had basically just weird disturbances in in the mud and in the water far away but they just felt something terrorizing uh but it was crazy because on our one tour we saw a, a carcass thing and it was about six to ten feet long and it was really bloated and i got a picture of it and i've shared it on my socials in the past and uh, some people said it was a deer that was bloated and uh, dead in the water. Other people said it was an alligator that was like rotting in the sun. All I know is there was a thousand other alligators in there and nothing touched it. So uh, maybe was it a kill of the, you know, the Honey Island Swamp Monster or was it a mutant of something? Uh, but one crazy thing is there's a space testing area that borders the Honey Island Swamp. And we've seen it in so many movies that these chemicals get into the water or something escapes uh, from their facility. So, you know, are we dealing with something a little even scarier or menacing than a natural being? I don't know, but I was out there uh, firsthand looking for it and I had strange things happen. So I can't wait till the next time I'm out there. I'm going to camp on my kayak and see what happens. But the Honey Island Swamp, I highly recommend it. Whenever you guys are in New Orleans, it's about 40 minutes away. It is so sinister, so cool. And also you get to see the Lake Pontchartrain Bridge, which has a bunch of mysteries in itself. There's a bunch of plane crashes and strange things in the water. And uh, a lot of people sadly pass away and perish in that water too. It's uh, yeah. some kind of weird magnetic thing some people blame it on, but I don't know. It's a uh, it's a strange world we live in. And again, we have to just be aware uh, and alert. And I just love to document all the weird things that are going on. That's I try to tell everybody, if, you, if you're just looking for one thing, you're missing out on so much more. Yes, you can be a ghost hunter, but... Listen for, you know, we just had Stacy Brown on and they were doing the Conjuring House experiments. They were going to look for ghosts and they're, yet they're hearing wood knocks and you're seeing grays. It's, you never know what you're going to see. And again, you know, if you ignore all the paranormal or preternatural aspects of this, you're missing so much because you're just focusing on, oh, I need that one piece of physical evidence. Well, these things may leave a weird type of physical evidence that you're just not ready for. And that's why I love guys like you out in the field that that makes it so much better for me i mean 
you know, the, the, it, it doesn't always make good TV, but it makes the real stuff. It, it gets us the folklore. It's, it gets us, you know, the truth. That's what it's all about. The truth is out there. Oh, wow. That is that is very X-Filing. X-Filing hey. of you. Yeah, that's that's what we do, Rob. Yeah, so, Connor, now you also do filmmaking. I know we're running low on time here. So let's talk about some of your films that you've done. I know you did Tate's Hell. Yes. Yes. We actually won uh, Best Performance and Best Cinematography uh, for Tate's Hell. I wrote and directed a uh, short film that hopefully we're going to extend into a feature length film. Uh, but yes, I play CB Tate and I chased my dog into the swamp and uh, got hunted down by these monsters and then climbed out of the forest and said, I'm CB Tate and I came from hell. And uh, Stacy Brown was actually in that, that film. He was the one that found me at the end. So that was, that was a really cool one. And that really jump started a lot of this cryptid action that I've really been going into. Uh, I have a feature film that I wrote and directed and produced called Huggin' Molly that is coming out hopefully early next year. And it is a very fun one. I play a guy named Benny and my sister, Sarah, uh, just got a new job up in L. Alabama and she goes missing. So I have to go looking for her because of course I can't get any answers. Then I found out that she uh, was in Abbeville after dark home of Huggin' Molly, the seven foot tall witch that will grab you and squeeze you till your bones break and yell in your ear till you go insane. And the city is trying to protect it. And it's, it's a lot. And uh, I'm super proud of it. And it's a found footage movie. It's very similar to the Blair Witch Project and uh, Carrie actually uh, provided me a witness sketch in it so she's in the movie and uh, Mark and Carrie are also on a missing person poster too so I will avenge them. Uh, I'm super excited about that. And that that's like my, my pride and glory right there. Uh, but just recently, I directed and wrote a short film for a film festival called Capital Chaos that I play like a YouTuber or creator that is trying to find all 50 state capitals. And when I go to Tallahassee, I uh, find a cursed object and then everything goes haywire. Uh, that plays on the big screen December 16th at Cap City Video Lounge. I'm super excited about that. And then I also just made a movie about the Goatman, Taloja Creek Goatman, which is a cryptid around here that isn't very well talked about. Everybody's heard the Goatman Bridge over in Texas, but this one is near the Apalachicola National Forest, another strange, sinister spot. But a bunch of correctional officers were having these midnight sightings of some horned creature by the railroad. So I wrote a little film about it. And I actually wrote basically another character to play me. So it was like a guy who's playing basically a happy-go-lucky uh, skunk ape researcher. And that was a really fun one. Of course, the skunk ape makes an appearance, you know, spoiler, but it's <laughs> it's a really fun one. I've gotten all those are like my baby projects. Uh, but the coolest thing about filmmaking is collaborating and working with other people. And I've gotten to work with some very good filmmakers down here in Florida. Uh, I also got to go to the Smoky Mountains and make a movie about feral people. Uh, that's called The Woodman. It's coming out soon on Amazon Prime. And basically after I did that was a week, a week up in the mountains with a bunch of great people came home and I said, wow, I have the same resources here. I have to do that. So that's right when I started going crazy with all this filmmaking. But uh, I definitely think it's all connected. Paranormal, Sasquatch research, 
a lot of the fun in that was documenting and like creating a story of the story. So it really just calculates and connects to this filmmaking. And all my stuff is like horror based. So I want to, you know, talk, do all these cryptids and these legends, the two egg stump jumper. I've already went out there and researched it and, you know, put together my research video. Now I want to make a movie about it. You know, I just want to connect both my worlds and uh, really just see where it goes. But I've always had a passion for horror filmmaking and hiking. So I really just have to keep on those trails and see where it takes me. And, and I've seen it now on, on how it pays off, you know, on just the knowledge and the connections and again, connecting the worlds, you know, Carrie was able to help me in my filmmaking. Like I'm the man in my position. Like I, I feel like I'm meant to be here. I'm meant to bring my ideas that I'm bringing together. I'm meant to walk this walk and just honor, you know, my family legacy and just the human legacy. Like I, I got to do this because other humans are doing their job. Uh, so I just want to be out there and meet as many cool people and also just be out there, you know, setting a tone for other people that want to write books, make movies and hike in the woods and tell their friends about it. And really, I just want to, you know, inspire people to be themselves because that is enough. And I feel like that's when I go the farthest is when I'm just staying true to who I am and who I want to be. So you know, don't fall into any of the trolls or any of the negative stuff with cryptozoology. Just find what makes you happy in it and run with it and stick close with the people. And it all makes sense. And there's a lot of dark days and there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of times thinking, is this worth it? Or is there better things in the world? And if it makes you happy, then no, there's nothing better out there. Uh, and there's so many mysteries and so many cool stories don't let the fakers don't get the, don't let the naysayers don't let any of the negativity get to you just let it build you stronger and uh that's what i try to live by every day and i try to remind myself that too when times get hard shameless self-promotion time connor where can people follow you and find all these wonderful things yes my books are on amazon connor flynn c-o-n-n-o-r-f-l-y-n-n eerie swamps not spelled eerie like eerie florida which uh is so cool that again the eerie brothers have came together yeah uh, but, was, when i saw it i was like hey he's, he's doing some i know where that area is, so great it, it, it all connects you know uh but i'm very proud of my books if i had to recommend one book it would be uh eerie swamps road trip to eden that was my my baby my pride and joy that really started started it all my books are on amazon i have a tiktok bigfoot anon youtube Bigfoot Anon, Instagram, Bigfoot Anonymous. If you just Google my name or anything you use for Spotify, Apple Music, podcasts, if you just Google my name, uh, it will pop up. But yeah, I don't know. Just just support what, what comes out in the future. Hopefully it will be on Tubi and Amazon Prime. Um, but yeah, I'm just really looking forward to to the future and hopefully one of these TV shows, you know, pick me up and uh, I haven't cut my hair for that, you know, because I'm like, oh, the the crazy Bigfoot researcher with long hair is a lot cooler than just a normal, normal dude. But even if I do have the short hair, you're still going to get this crazy, exciting energy. So uh, so hopefully all just happens at the right pace. And uh, and yeah, just, you know enjoy your days because you don't know when it's your last and uh, make people around you feel comfortable and, uh, and be kind.
because the world will show you all the beautiful things it has to offer uh, when you're in your right place. I love that. Heck yeah. Yay. Heck yeah. Well said. Well said, sir. So, Erica, any last questions? Oh, I have a million questions, but I'll just corner Connor at our next event we're at and ask him there, or we'll invite him back onto the podcast and have him with his next projects and stuff coming. Then I can I can take over since I let you go fanboy on the entire situation. Yeah, thank, thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. You you kept me in well for Stacy. I got to have fun with Connor there. So yes, but. Uh, all right, Connor, we will see you at the next event soon, I'm sure, or some, something. And if nothing else, we're going to get you up here to go stomping around the Smoky Mountains with us. But uh, And we'll, we'll we'll see what kind of trouble we can get into. But don't leave me in any more caves. I'll, right? tr I'll, try, I'll try not to. I'll try not to. Remember, uh, I, I will be at the East Alabama Conference in January uh, with Stacey Brown, MK Davis, Tyler Howell, and uh, Dale Boswell. Uh, and that's okay. kind of like a good halfway point. Uh, with you and I, so maybe maybe we can yeah. meet up there. Yeah, yeah, you know, we'll we'll reach out to them and see if they want us. Uh, but you know, if nothing else, we might make a day trip of it. But uh, anyway, gang. So thank you, listeners. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed Connor Flynn as much as we did. He is an incredible person, and we loved having him on the show. And please like, share, subscribe. If you get a chance, go to paranormalitymagazine.com or paranormalitymag.com. Vote for us as one of your top 10 podcasts. We'd love to, we love seeing that. We like being on that list. And if nothing else, gang, check the links down below, follow Connor, buy some of his merch. It, you know, it's, it helps the show. It helps him. And as always, gang, when you're out in the swamps, remember, watch out for snakes, watch out for terrible things that could hurt you, but keep your eyes open for other things that are there to be explored and learned. And we will see you on the other side.